This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, welcome back. 403-974-8255 is our number, 974-TALK. We'll have some more time for your calls and your texts before all is said and done here today. But I want to turn our attention to uh, the issue of vaccines and also to touch on the issue of vitamin D. And it's funny because they really don't have anything to do with each other, although there often seems to be some overlap. Particularly when it comes to the flu vaccine. Uh, a lot of people who reject the flu vaccine say, you know, hey, vitamin D is all you need. There's your flu shot right there. And I think on vitamin D, we get a lot of confused information, <laughs> conflicting information uh, about how much we need, uh, what vitamin D is, is preventing, what it can prevent. I mean, just as one example, there's some suggestion that maybe uh, high rates in Canada of multiple sclerosis has something to do with our vitamin D levels. Right, so it's one of those issues where everyone agrees that vitamin D is important. There's a disagreement, though, on how much of a, a panacea it is. So I, I do want to touch on that. But uh, some interesting new data today concerning vaccine rates and the discrepancy we see even right here in Alberta, even communities that are very close to each other. In fact, uh, comparing Fort McLeod and Pincher Creek, which are pretty close to each other, there's some huge variation when it comes to uh, vaccination rates. So why do we see pockets of vaccine refusal in Canada? What can we do to get those numbers up? Because no one's really proposing we make vaccines mandatory. Uh, But how do we get through to people? How do we encourage vaccination? So joining us to to try to cover all of this, please welcome back to the program, Tim Caulfield, Canada Research Chair in Health Law and Policy at the University of Alberta, also Research Director of the Health Law Institute. Uh, Tim, great to talk to you as always. Welcome to the show. Hey, Rob. Let's just touch on this this vitamin D business. I think there's yet another study out suggesting that that vitamin D is linked to the reduced risk of, of cold and flu. And I know you get asked about vitamin D all the time. Where do you come down on this? Yeah, the vitamin D thing is fascinating because it is really a polarized debate. And it's a polarized debate not just in the media, as you've seen, uh, but it's really a polarized debate even in the academic community. There are sort of believers on either side of this debate. Um, I, I kind of t- take the, the view that the data is still pretty iffy. I'm, I'm kind of underwhelmed by it. Uh, but there are, I think it's important to note that there are people in the academic community who feel that we should be supplementing. Um, this recent study, I think, is a really good example. So it was a, a systematic review, a meta-analysis. So basically what the researchers did is they tried to bring together all the best available evidence to make it kind of into one big study to see, you know, look at all the other trials to get a sense uh, of what the, the research really says. Uh, and, you know, despite what the headlines, because this, this study got a lot of press and a lot of the press said things like, you know, vitamin D prevents colds, vitamin D will save lives. It study didn't really say that, you know, it really just said that it looks like there may be some very small benefit to taking vitamin D for some populations, but it was translated to the public as if once again, vitamin D was sort of a panacea, which isn't the case at all so my my view is we got to keep an open mind (laughs) let the research play out but there doesn't for me i don't think there's any magic there well did you see some overlap because i i think the people who say that you know they're suppressing the truth about vitamin d tend to be the same people who say you know they're they're suppressing the truth the bad truth about vaccines 
Yeah, I, I do think there's some overlap. There's overlap in a bunch of ways. First of all, there's some alternative practitioners, as you, as you said right off the top, that push vitamin D as an alternative to vaccination, which infuriates me, and I've got you know, some examples of that on file. But yeah, so you see that you see that kind of overlap, uh, and then you also see the overlap that you just that you just mentioned. This idea that there's a conspiracy theory that people don't want, you know, the big pharma doesn't want us taking supplements because they can't make money off of them, and they can't make money off of vitamin D, so they want us to, you know, you see have that kind of conspiracy theory going on. But I, I do think they differ in, in in an important sense. There is real academic research going on around the value of vitamin D. You know, there are you know respected researchers who think that we are, um, you know, that we, there is a deficiency out there for some populations. So this is a real academic debate. I'm not convinced by the data, but there are, you know, this is a, a topic where reasonable people can, can disagree. I do think that everyone in the, uh, in the academic community agrees, I think, that more research is needed and, and that there's a lack of clarity on what the data actually says, despite mm-hmm. what you see in the popular press. Interesting. Now, when it comes to vaccines, though, the, the data is much more clear. And, and I think, you know, regardless of what it is, um, you know, vaccines, vitamins, anything else, we need to be guided by the data. And when it comes to vaccines, it's, it's pretty overwhelming. In fact, sounds like Robert De Niro and RFK Jr. owe a lot of people $100,000, but uh, yet it, it persists as a controversy. Yeah, that, so for sure. I mean, this is where they also differ. You're absolutely right. And I think you and I have talked about this many times. The, the data on vaccination safety of the, for the ones that are out there, the ones that are routine, unequivocal, right? There's a mountain of data to say they're effective and they are safe. You know, their risk was everything, but we're talking about very rare risks and very minor risks in general, right? So, yeah, I think the data is pretty darn clear. Despite that, you get the, the circulation of these myths that have, and that research tells us these myths have an impact on vaccination intention. These myths do make people more hesitant. So it is frustrating when you hear people like De Niro, when you hear Wakefield, and when you hear the President of the United States yeah, well, view yeah. this nonsense, it matters. It has an impact on human health, so it's very frustrating. Indeed there are. Now, when we look at what's happening in in some pockets of Alberta and and elsewhere in Canada, it's not necessarily just anti-science views. Uh, There there does seem to be a link between religious views and vaccine uptakes. And so this this data regarding the the comparison between Pincher Creek and Fort McLeod, some huge discrepancies in vaccination rates, there, there does seem to be that element there. Yeah, isn't that data fascinating, Rob? I mean, it really shows you these two communities very close together. I think the vaccination rates, Pincher Creek is 91%, is that right? And then Fort McLeod was 47%, is that, am I getting, something like that. Yeah. Really stark differences. Uh, And it, it really is a fantastic illustration of how complex this issue is, because what's going on, it sounds like, is there's culture, there's community, there's religion, there, you know, there are, you know, friendships and, and personal conversations about vaccination that is having impact on the uptake. So that really shows you how complex it is, you know, to, to resolve this issue. We just can't pour more facts on the situation. We've got to involve the communities. We've got to find out what's driving this vaccination hesitancy. I mean, ideally, what do we need those rates to be? So it, it actually differs some, somewhat f- per vaccination, you know, mm-hmm. for, uh, because what you want to do is you want to get uh, herd immunity. Uh, so no vaccination is, you know, 100, some are very close to being 100% effective, but, but for example, the flu vaccine, you know, not 100% effective. But if you get, you get the uptake high enough, you get herd immunity, and that, that kind of protects the individuals that can't get vaccinated. So perhaps they have some kind of disease that makes them 
immunocompromised a little bit, uh, or they're elderly, or perhaps, perhaps uh, some certain individuals who are young. Uh, so you want to get a certain level of vaccination, and it varies depending on the, vac- the vaccine. Now, in terms, though, of, of presenting information to, to people who are, are vaccine hesitant, there have been some studies indicating that you know, pushing too hard can actually cause people to retrench in their views. It, it actually backfires in some respects. It, is there an effective way, though, of, of countering those views? Yeah, that's right. If you it, just pouring facts doesn't always work, and it can make people more more defensive. So there's some really interesting research that talks about um, working with communities, also telling stories and telling people the consequences of not getting vaccinated. So there was a study that showed that. Yes, you tell people what the medical consensus is around the, the value of vaccination, but also tell them stories about what happens if you don't vaccinate your kid, and maybe even use pictures. Uh, so this is exactly what this study did, and it found it did change people's minds. We're not talking about a huge effect size. It wasn't like all of a sudden everyone wanted to get vaccinated, but it did change the minds of, minds of some people who were vaccination hesitant. And Rob, to be honest with you, that's the... Not, I, don't, I think the people that are hardcore anti-vax, that's a small community. It's really those individuals that are hesitant, that are not really sure how to balance the risks and benefits, that are vaccination hesitant. It's a continuum, right? Yeah. And so I think that's the community we, we want to target this messaging to. Where do you come down, though, and then on the question of, of making vaccines mandatory? Uh, you know, <laughs> you and I talk all the time, and I'm usually pretty, pretty uh, I don't hesitate to roll out a, a, a hard position, but I'm, I'm uncertain on it. I, I think that I, I'm so pro-vaccination, and I, I see the benefits as being so overwhelming, but at the same time, from a policy perspective, I think mandatory vaccination can backfire, you know, can mm-hmm. create some anger in, in the communities. I think we should, that should be a tool of last resort. For some people in the community, perhaps healthcare providers, you know, others that are putting people at risk, I, I'm more open. Uh, but I'll tell you this, I'm open to the possibility if the evidence is there to support it. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Uh, Tim, I always appreciate the conversation here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks a lot, Rob. All right. Take care. Timothy Caulfield, uh, Canada Research Chair in Health Law and Policy at the University of Alberta, Research Director as well at the Health Law Institute, author of the book, Is Gwyneth Paltrow Wrong About Everything? Uh, which is a great read, by the way. 403-974-8255. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.